Hey, this is Fireman Rob. You know, optimal performance isn't something that happens just by accident. I know this for a fact from being a fireman and doing way too many Ironman triathlons and full firefighter gear. But everybody always asks me, what's your secret? I can give you one secret. That's the right stuff, hydration. Hydration is important when it comes to being present in the moment, ready to run into the fires and being capable of showing up every single time at your best. The Right Stuff was created for NASA by NASA for their astronauts. Now it's trusted by professional athletes in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and most of the top tier college sports. It's not an accident to prepare yourself to be great. If you're looking for that next edge, go to therightstuff-usa.com and enter the code FIREMANROB and you'll get 10% off at your checkout. This is an opportunity I wouldn't pass up. I have and still do use The Right Stuff. It's serious hydration for serious athletes, from the weekend warriors to those on the front lines. Make this a part of your habits to be the best you daily. Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same blood, the same blood, stay by your side, it's right or die, we've got the same blood. All right, welcome back to Forged in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today, today, I have a law enforcement officer, a Marine Corps veteran, somebody who is making a huge impact on first responders and helping them through their well-being journeys, helping them to understand how to be not only that that officer or, or firefighter, but also be the person that they're meant to be. Scott Medlin, so great to have you on the show today. Robert, I appreciate it. And I, wow, after that intro, I, I'm honored. And I guess I'll just save all the firefighter jokes for later. I, they, oh, you were I, very I, kind, I, so I can't I, do it. I knew they were coming. I knew they were coming. I, I, I can handle it. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we work so closely together, but it's that humor that really uh, helps us to, you know, kind of bond on a different level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So, so I want to, you, you've got so much stuff to unwrap here, but I mean, I want to kind of go back to, you know, who is Scott? Who is Scott when he started out in the Marine Corps? Because it's always interesting to see how uh, life transitions, but who is that guy that went in and said, you know what, I want to go into the U.S. Marine Corps because that takes a lot of uh, um, cojones to step into that role. Back in fifth grade, I'll never forget my history teacher uh, talking about serving your country, joining the military to protect your country. And I was, that's that's just kind of like, that's when the thought started. Uh, But that's when the thought started. But what kind of solidified the deal was I was in another history class, fast forward to my junior year in high school and the Marine recruiter came in and the teacher there was actually a longtime family friend of mine, but also a Vietnam veteran who was a Navy corpsman and worked with the Marines. 
So when the Marine recruiter came in I was, and spoke, I was like, this is something I've got to do because I was lacking a lot of self-discipline yeah. and drive. And I, but I knew I wanted to serve my country. And, and, and the recruiter was like, well, if you're going to serve your country, you might as well go into a branch that's going to train you the best for war, which is ultimately what the military is there for. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just said, all right, let's do this. And my senior week after high school graduation was not at the beach, but at Paris Island, South Carolina. And I don't regret <laughs> it one bit. <laughs> Come on. That's like the beach in so many worse terms. That's like, you know, having sharks in the water and you have to swim. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a vacation I'll never forget, but it just wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, that serving in the military, uh, what, what did that prepare your mindset for when you went in, uh, to the law enforcement community? What, what kind of mindset did that set you in and say, Hey, this is, I can handle this kind of situation. I knew when I got into the military, I wanted to work law enforcement as as well. Eventually, I, I guess the best way to say it is after the Marines, after going through two tours in Iraq, what I learned was really harping on the self-discipline issue and then the ability to work with other people, uh, communication. And then I learned from very good leaders in the Marines. I also learned from micromanagers who taught me what not to do. (laughs) 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 And it, and it helped me when I transitioned into law enforcement, but the self-discipline aspect was tremendous. And I, I mean, the Marine Corps did that for me. Now, granted, I mean, I, I, it is my choosing to exercise that discipline, but, but the Marines put it in me where it's like, there's no excuses. You just have to do certain things and keep doing them. I, I love that. It's, it, it's one of those things like, so now, you know, it's a great transition to, you know, when you're in law enforcement, it's, it's, it's different. Do you, did you see that your mental framework, the, like the mental wellness was it different when you're in the military as compared to when you were in, in essence, a civilian uh, in law enforcement? Was there was there a difference that you could tell now? Yeah, when it came to my mental health, uh, yes, there was a big difference. Unfortunately, I did have effects of a traumatic one particular traumatic incident from my second deployment in Iraq, in which I was I was almost killed. I mean, it was a miracle from God I survived, oh. and uh, there's still Marines that testify to this day about that. And unfortunately. Uh, that led to symptoms of post-traumatic stress. I got diagnosed with it uh, a few years after, well, about a year or two later, getting home from the deployment. But what I noticed was I worked on it, and then we moved on, and I I was finishing college, and then in policing, I, I'm not saying it's combat, but you go shift oh, after is. shift. I, I, will, uh, I will say it is. <laughs> well, in, a, in, in, in the sense that, yeah, you could be in a like a – firearm exchange situation or, or a fight for your life. Yeah, absolutely. There's, 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 there's that. But so far as the shift after shift, week after week, month after month, year after year, that is something that was a big difference. And I've heard other veterans say this, that, you know, you go to combat and then you get home, it's done. And then right. what you experience in combat is not experienced possibly on the frequency that some law enforcement officers can experience it and other first responders as well, seeing things that are just traumatic uh, year after year, it can really take a toll on you. And the thing is like, you don't, if you're not really self-aware, you don't know it's affecting you until some things just come tumbling, uh, crumbling down. Oh yeah. Now, now the pile up of everything that happened, because even, even from the military, so that pile up on you, 
that, you know, it, it, do you think that it's possible to even be prepared for it or is it better to just be able to understand it so that you can mitigate it? I think it's better to understand it so you can mitigate it, but have the willingness to admit when something bothered you, when, when like you, you know, as well as I do, what's, what's one of the phrases a lot, a lot of us use in the first responder world after we respond to like a horrific crime scene or even just deal with someone who was frustrating and, and, and we say, how are you? And say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I was horrible about that. And I convinced oh, yeah. myself of that. You but, had to. It's like, it was, it was, it was almost a, a philosophy or a culture of like, Hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got to just finish my shift. Exactly. To the point where it was so bad where we couldn't even say like, like if I, you know, I, I responded to a successful suicide because unfortunately for some reason, I don't know why su- successful suicide scenes bothered me the most. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own kind <laughs> of thing far. that bothers them the most. Uh, Death notifications and suicides bother me much, but I didn't even say like that was sad. Yeah, I mean just a simple right. acknowledgement as to how it made me feel. I didn't even do that. No, no, I'm fine. Ah, oh, that was nothing. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that. It, it was. Yeah, you want to go to you want to go get some uh, coffee or some donuts? I had to throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should have said that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, it was. It, how how much did uh, the joking around like that? They always say it's dark humor for us. You know, and I think it's in the military as well as in the first responder community. How much did that play into just that elongation and or that piling on of that, um, you know, the depression and the the battling? How much did that play into that to not cope with it? I think on the surface level, the humor was in a way all right. Like like after yeah. you support incident, they would say go to the, they would you know. No decompression at all. Go right to the report room and start typing up your paragraph about what you just went through. Forget the fact someone was trying to hurt you. Forget the fact you're all wound up. Go straight to the report room right now and start working. <laughs> and then, so we would, you know, I mean, assuming no one was hurt, uh, we, we would start joking and trying to make each other laugh. But right. the problem is, I really do believe when you talk about a certain incident that is attached to emotions within you that are almost certainly bound to be negative. Uh, that's when it can be a problem where not only is that image playing over and over again in your head, which you know what I'm talking about, but just the resurfacing of a deep emotion associated with the event, with the event, it can really take a toll. That's what I didn't understand. That's what I didn't know. And pretty much the last uh, two, two to three years now, I've been working to make officers aware of that and just be like, look, when you're reliving or you're talking about these things first person, like you're still in them, if it's attached to an emotion, oh gosh, it can throw you on an emotional roller coaster, and and we can't do that anymore. I, I love that. You know, the, your website, thescottmedlin.com. Uh, um, you have a great book out. That's what I. Uh, you know, you, we talk about all these things and leaving behind that legacy, and not just being, uh, you know, going through your careers, but also uh, helping others with the information that you gained, the experiences, the traumas, everything that you've gained in your career. And you put together this amazing book, this uh, 101 useful tips for rookie police officers. Tell me a little bit more about that. It's available on Amazon. Um, Tell me a little bit more about the premise behind when you said, you know, I got to put this together. 
it's a very challenging time right now for law enforcement. And I admire the heck out of people that are willing to get into it and get into it for the right reasons and are doing the right thing, which is the majority of them. Thank goodness. And right. I was just like, and, and I didn't necessarily want to leave law enforcement, but family first, it wasn't working out for me and my family anymore. So I, like I said, I left because of them, but also to pursue this opportunity of speaking across the country, which I've been very blessed to do. But I got to thinking, I was like, you know, I'm a, I, I was a training officer for a while. And throughout a, a sworn career from 2007 to 2022, I, I learned like four or five things. So I said, why not, why not put it in a book? Uh, yeah. just, just to help them. Just to, did you just really to just say four or five things? I did. I was being sarcastic. Anyway. That's a, that must be a small book. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to have a good retention rate. <laughs> as long as it has pictures, we can read in the fire service. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, pictures, and uh, but it doesn't come with crayons. So ah, you got to be. Well, you're a marine. You should. All the crayons are gone. Um, well, that's right, we ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> this this book this book really like for I mean, and you really took into account a lot of different aspects of the job because a lot of times it's just like, hey the traumatic calls, but you actually went into a lot of different aspects to be able to have them understand like that 365, 360 degree look at it. Oh, a hundred percent. And I still think it's, it's lacking in the first responder community about personal and personal and professional development. I mean, right. unless someone is totally dedicated and, and how do I say this? Unless someone is, has the clarity and their vision and goal of going up the ladder. Yeah, that's one thing, but <laughs> that isn't for everyone. And the thing is, what are we? We're people. And that, and, and the fact that we're in first responder world doesn't make us any, any more super than anybody else. Like we're not, we're not, right. we're not the Avengers. We're, we're actual human <laughs> beings. And if we don't grow, then we do what plants do whenever they're done growing. They die. I mean, there's that saying, I think it's like, yeah, he died at 25, but he was buried at 75. You know, and, oh, and unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. the career of working as a first responder can suck the life right out of you, where it's just this survival mentality. Just get through the shift, get through the years, raise my family as best I can, retire, and then maybe, if I'm healthy enough, live a long and prosperous life. But if we're not growing up to that point, I've seen many people retire and they're completely miserable. Uh, so, I, so I just wanted to write that book to help the rookies understand you have to grow as a person. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to, to develop yourself and, and put forth the work. You have to be willing to put that discipline in. And you have to be able to admit when you make mistakes. Don't let your ego get in the way of any of this. I love that. I, you know, Scott, one of the greatest things that I love when I'm doing podcasts and I just do the audio because I could hear the passion behind what you're saying. I mean, it's, it, it gives me chills because it's so, that's the power behind, um, leaving that legacy. And I, I, I I'm, I, I want to commend you right now, just Thank first you. off for, for the passion you could, you can hear in your voice. And I think that's something that needs to happen uh, throughout the first responder community, do you do you see a change, or do you see it as I mean, you were in it long enough that you understood that there's always the latest and greatest, and we're going to help you with this, and we're going to help you with that, and then it goes away because it's I not do, lucrative yeah, no, I, or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, no, you make a good point, and and I but I do see a shift. 
I went and spoke as the closing ceremony keynote speaker at the National Concern of Police Survivors event back in, or the conference, the national conference back in November. A ton of police officers there. I mean, a ton. And uh, I think a few years ago, if you'd had a wellness and trauma conference, it wouldn't have brought in that many people. And I do see a shift. Does there need to be more of a shift? Oh, absolutely. But we now have a lot of police departments really harping on wellness units and peer support units and chaplain programs, all this stuff to help with the mindset and uh, help uh, get the mentality of officers really need to take care of themselves. And then firefighters are no different because unfortunately right. suicide and mental health is prevalent in the firefighting industry as well. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's such a huge thing of understanding because for so long it, you know, we're really good at that first responder mentality. If something's wrong, we fix it right away. And then you know, if, it, if we have a flare up again at the, you know, of the fire, well, we'll take care of it then. Um, right. Probably the same thing with you guys is like you handle somebody, uh, you deal with somebody on the street and you're like, okay, hey, just don't do that again. And then you come back, you know, two, three hours later. It seemed to me like that was how we dealt with mental health and still a little bit, but getting better. How, how do you, how do you tell um, the first responders? How do they start that understanding? Because that's always a, the hardest step of of starting that process of, you know, realizing yourself. Oh, absolutely. And in my first book, Mental Health Fight of the Heroes in Blue, I, I pointed out mental health is not like an ankle sprain where you ice it, <laughs> rest it, <laughs> heal yeah. it up, and then you're back at it. No, you have to continuously day in and day out take care of yourself. And the thing is, it doesn't take that much effort. I mean, it, it takes effort. It doesn't take that much time if you are consistent with it. Uh, but it's, I, I it's valuable effort. <laughs> Do what now? I said it's valuable effort, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. And, you know, I just heard a good phrase the other day from uh, one of the biggest self-help gurus out there, uh, Tony Robbins. And yeah. he said, leaders, he said, here it is, losers react, leaders anticipate. So take charge of your own life and who you are, anticipate what you're going to be seeing, anticipate what you could be going through based on the data that's available, because it's no secret that suicide and mental health are a bad issue in law enforcement. So just like some officer would definitely step up their officer safety and alertness towards external risks and external threats, why don't you take time to examine how you're doing and address it the same way you would an external threat? Because if someone is reaching in the floorboard uh, when you're walking up to a car yeah. at a traffic stop, you're going to kind of want to pay attention to that. Right. Well, if you notice that you're starting to think a lot more negative and people are saying, hey, you're not enjoying things you used to enjoy, you should address that threat the same way you would an external uh, threat. And that's what I tell them because we're all human. I'm not exempt from this. I, I'm, I'm doing this because I went through things that I regret going through. I mean, I right. almost lost my marriage because of how, how I became on the job all because I lacked awareness and the willingness to address what was between the years. So uh, I could go on, but that's, that's, that's how I convey the message to them. And and it is so powerful. I love, you know, um, in the fire service, I don't know if they say this in the, um, in, uh, with law enforcement, but we always say, you know, it's not your emergency. Like when you go on calls and stuff like that. And I think we take that to heart of like, it's not my emergency. Okay. Well, mentally I'm, I'm fine. I just got to deal with all this. It's normal. I, yeah. Wow. I, I never heard that before, but that's true. Yeah, you're right. We, we get we, the, the, uh, the withdrawal symptom a little bit, trying to space, uh, build up that wall kind of thing. And unfortunately, that wall can get so tall that it, it can lead yeah. to some bad effects. 
Oh, it's it's terrible. Now, um, I want to go back to one of your stories um, about. So you were on a canine unit, um, yeah. and a story from the job uh, where you were serving a, a simple arrest warrant. Um, tell me more about that story. I want to hear that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was I was scheduled to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday night shift, and one of the vice and narcotics supervisors came up to me and said, "Hey, you're working tonight, right?" I said, "Yeah." She said, well, all right, no big deal. Uh, we've got, we're following somebody. Uh, we think there's, we think there's a heavy drug sales going on, but he's got a private warrant for his arrest. Can you uh, just go serve it and then get maybe consent to search his house? I said, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm driving around his neighborhood and I see that there's a party going on on his back deck. I'm like, well, who hosts a party and doesn't, and, and is not at his own house. He's bound to be there. Right. And sure enough, get, get, get to, I, I get, I get some officers, basically my immediate district patrol team. I get them huddled up in a cul-de-sac up the road. And then we go down there at the same time Two go to the front, three of us go to the back. And my supervisor is the first one to talk to the guy. And he says, casually as can be, Hey man, we, we weren't invited to the party. What's up? And, and he's just trying <laughs> to be lighthearted about it. And, and a few people actually laugh. And the guy who just had a simple warrant for, I think, like communicating threats, he runs inside. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, what? And, oh. Yeah, he runs inside. My supervisor, who was a go-getter if there ever was one, he <laughs> kicks in the door and runs in after him. Oh, and uh, I'm like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I run up on the deck with my dog. Someone literally grabs my arm and tries to pull me back from going in. I pushed that person away. I didn't even, I don't even know what that person looked like this day. I pushed him so quick. I, you know, <laughs> just one of those things. Anyway, I run inside and all of a sudden I see like 25 people looking at me. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but, but the good thing is I had the dog. Not one of them got close to me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've, yeah. I've been near those dogs. No way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not not one person, and he was keyed up at this point. And uh, anyway, we uh, my supervisor had made his way to the hallway uh, with another officer and was uh, drawing down on the bedroom where the guy had run into. We I ordered him to come out, or else I'd send in the dog. Uh, so the back door's kicked in. At this point, the bedroom door gets kicked in. The dog goes in, bites the suspect, and I because we couldn't see him very well. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, all for a simple warrant. And, right. and uh, anyway, end up getting him under arrest. But I forgot to add the officers in the front saw us come in the back. They couldn't get to us. So they kicked in the front door to get to us. So there were three doors in this house kicked in. Oh, um, and all because a guy just decided to run and didn't want to cooperate. I was just like, good gosh. And uh, anyway, it was just melee. Everyone's screaming in the house. We've got the cavalry on the way. And uh, we made an arrest as quick as we could and got him down to the police station. But I'll just never, it was just one of those. It was like, we went from asking a guy casually, hey, how come we weren't invited (laughs) to just pure madness? And it all happened in less than five minutes. I'll just never forget. That's crazy. See, that's, that's, (laughs) I think, and that's the interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand or even getting into the job. It's not, there is no, um, it's cool to have SOPs and SOGs, right? Right. but those are guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is so dynamic and so austere in, in those environments. And, and 
like you said before, and you, you put this perfectly, we're, we're human still. Yeah. So you're, well, you're, well, you're getting is, that heightened. It, oh yeah. No. I, and I, I didn't sleep well that day following that shift. I didn't sleep well at all that day. I was so wound up still. And I didn't know any active coping mechanisms. All I knew was take right. melatonin and hope for the best. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I go back into work Saturday night with maybe four or five hours of sleep and have to work another 12 hours. But of course, I'm a tough cop. I'm not human. I'll be fine. Four to five right. hours. What harm could it do? And I just did this for many years throughout my career. I did, you know, bad yep. sleep throughout, particularly when working night shift. And it's stuff like that you just have to be aware of and really make routines and, and be be willing to accept the fact you're human and this stuff can affect us, especially when you get home from a busy shift. I love that. And you've also, I mean, you have so much knowledge and so much uh, information to give. And I love that. And the 10 code mindset, I, I listen to a few of those uh, podcasts. You have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, and you also have a course for people to be able to take. Yeah, the course is up and coming. It will be the 10 Code Mindset course. So if, I don't know when you plan on publishing this, but uh, as of right now, it's, it's January 2023. And I, I plan on in February releasing it oh, uh, awesome. at, the, at the earliest and it'll it'll be available. But yeah, I mean, my YouTube channel, my podcast, anything just to, anything just to kind of work with law enforcement and first responders and continuously encourage them and, and to share what I learned by being in the psychologist's office probably over 75 hours. <laughs> I yeah, can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I often tell the I often tell the audience when I speak at conferences, I'm like, "Hey, look, you, you I'm going to tell you about what they told me when I was in the office. Maybe I can save you a copay and a visit." <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they're comfy. They're comfy. Some of them. Some of them, I should say. Right now, did when you went to counselors, how, did you go through a few counselors before you found the right fit for you? Yes, I did. Uh, first time was during military service. When I got back from Iraq the second time, noticed I was having nightmares, bad sleep, flashbacks, uh, uh, really uh, aggressive. Uh, well, not aggressive, like negative thoughts. And I would I would I was uh, bitter and, and, and right. lack of emotional response. All these symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. I went to traditional clinic clinical counseling at the school and it was basically Tell me what happened. How did it make you feel? So basically, I was telling the story over and over and over again. It was it it, it wasn't helping. Yeah. So I found after a year, uh, my dad found someone because he told me and my brother, who actually was in Iraq with me, he told us both. He said, uh, "I'm losing you, and I don't want to lose my family. I found this doctor. I think he can help you out. I don't want to lose you too." Because my brother was going through the same thing. Very negative. Uh, all signs of withdrawal. It, it was bad. And anyway, so we got seen by a neuro-linguistic programming doctor. And after each of us had two-hour sessions with that man, yeah, absolutely incredible individual who actually wrote an excerpt in my book, Mental Health Fight of the Heroes in Blue. After two hours with him, anxiety level dropped, the flashbacks and nightmares at night stopped. Uh, I mean, immediate, immediate uh, benefits. And so I, I'm glad I found him. And then he also helped me when I unfortunately battled a, uh, an addiction during my police career to which once again, it's like, I never knew that would happen to me. I never knew right. nobody plans on that happening. So no. if it does, you need to know how to act and you need to be willing to act. So I did and I got him again, but uh, I've also been treated through cognitive processing therapy and uh, that, that's pretty much the ones that have worked for me. Uh, everyone's different. 
but that, the that, the, yeah, the whole tell me how you feel tell me about the story that that doesn't work for me that just makes me relive it and it just exacerbates the symptoms and that's such a powerful statement that you said that everybody's different because mm-hmm. i think it, it, it's one of those things where everybody you know uh, not i'm gonna say uh, but most people in the in the first responder community and, and even in the military see you know <clears throat> talking about your emotions and handling your emotions as I'm sitting on a couch and I'm telling somebody something, but there's so many more things. And I think you're, it's great that you're opening people up to that. How, how have you gotten, what has the response been um, from when you started doing speaking to now about the subject matter? Every now and then I have people reach out to me who say, I've been paying attention to you and you're doing great work. Uh, Please keep, please keep it going. Which is also encouraging for me because I'm not gonna lie. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I'm getting tired of this. It's, it's just me telling me to do this. That's all. Uh, And, and uh, so it's a lot of self-initiated work, but yeah, I'd I'd say a few times throughout the year, I I hear from first responders, please keep it going. Cause they're not going to say it in front of a lot of other people, but one-on-one they come up to me and they'll say that they're being encouraged by the work I'm doing, or at least the words I have, because I don't want to sound like, I'm not knocking people who are a doctor, psychologist and all that who go around and teach at around the country and teach at different law enforcement agencies or fire departments or wherever right. they, they have their place, but sometimes they get too academic and mm-hmm. I would rather just be relatable and put things simply <laughs> and, and more focus on the personal development side so that when you work on you, you can be that much better for not only in your job performance for the public and the people you respond to, but Whenever these mental health challenges do come about, you'll have the self-discipline to put forth the work and find the help and not feel like you're showing weakness because it's not. You're showing strength, and that's what matters. I love it. I love it. Uh, Make sure you go to the Scott, and it's M-E-D-L-I-N.com. You can find on there the podcast. He has a shop. Um, You can find to have him come and speak, obviously, the passion is there. I love that. I appreciate you being on the show today. I always end with three questions. Are you ready, Scott? Am I ready? I, well, you know what? I've been on. Oh, it doesn't matter podcast, if you're ready. It doesn't matter. I, no, I, 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 <laughs> I got to say, there was. I was on a, another podcast where they did three random questions, and I mean, I couldn't answer two out of the three. Hopefully, <laughs> I do a lot better here. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I already. You didn't get the crayons I sent you, did you? Well, I, I, uh, no, I didn't, but the, the second they come, I mean, were they the big crayons or the small crayons? They were crayons? the big ones for you. I, 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 I got eat the a big lot. One. <laughs> I, I eat a lot. I need the big ones. <laughs> All right. Well, the first question is pretty easy. So if you could go back to your 18-year-old self and, and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, good question. Uh, me- mess up, fess up. Like You're going to make mistakes. Oh, Don't like put that. so much pressure on yourself. You're going to make mistakes, and it's okay. Just learn from them and grow. I'm using that one. I got it my for, for my son. That's a, that's a huge one. Mess up, fast up. I like that. All right. Yeah, the second one. <laughs> the second one is is everybody's going through challenges and struggles in their lives. And if you could give them two habits, two pieces of habit that they could incorporate into their life to continue to move forward, what would those two things be? Don't check your phone within the first hour of waking up. Uh, so that includes like news and social media because that's what's on the phones and um uh 
exercising. Exercising is not only good for our bodies, but it actually releases chemicals that antidepressant medicine releases. Why not do it physic? Why not you do it so that you can get stronger mentally and physically? Oh, I love those two. Those are great. Now this one's going to be fun because I have no idea where you'd go with this one. <laughs> okay, so if you could have sit down and have coffee at a firehouse table, so you know no questions off the table. Um, <laughs> with with yeah, exactly. You've been there. Uh, with three individuals that could be deceased or alive, who would those three people be and why? Wow, that's deep. Uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, so you're going to get all of these questions. I know it. Well, me, me personally, me, me personally, uh, I'm Catholic, so he is alive, but he's not with us here on this earth. Uh, Jesus would be one of them. Yes. And then, because I've got questions. <laughs> you, got, I got, you got a lot of questions, not, I'm guessing. Not that I doubt. Not that I doubt. I'm just right. curious. Anyway. Anyway, I'm curious. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, this is going to sound outrageous, but Napoleon Hill wrote a book called Thinking Grow Rich. So yep. when I started on my own journey, I, I read, I was I, it read, this book was recommended to me. It's not recommended in the first responder world, which I think it should be, because basically yeah. he talks about the power of the mind and how uh, you, are, you are born to do more than you think you can. And that book basically laid out the plan as to how to do that. Uh, I would really like to pick his brain. And then the, the last person I, I, I want to work with, there is a man who... Uh, has inspired me tremendously, and I wrote about him in my first book. Uh, I mean, we all have flaws, but I found a lot of inspiration with this man, and that is uh, Ed Milet. Uh, he's an oh, inspirational. Yes, uh, you've heard of him. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would like to meet Ed Milet one day in person. In fact, on my life goal sheet that I have, I wrote, wrote out a list of life goals, and one of them was to be on his podcast. If that happens, that's great. If not, hey, you just never know. Um, and I'd like to meet him and shake his hand. He helped me uh, get out of some very dark times. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, hey, I, I, I've appreciated you having on, uh, being on here today. Make sure you go to thescottmedlin.com. You can find out more, listen to the 10 Code Podcast Mindset. It doesn't matter if you're in law enforcement, a firefighter, or just a normal person, human being, because we're all human beings. These things can help you out. Scott, thanks so much for being on today. Oh, I appreciate it, Robert. It, it truly is my honor. And it's kind of funny you said, like, in, and if you're a normal person, then you can listen to podcasts as well. That's right, because we first responders, we're not normal. <laughs> Very abnormal. It's, it's good for them to get a laugh every once in a while. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you have a great day, Scott, and everybody else have a great time. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.